Jensen Bealy. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The avocado toast of motorcycle podcasts. <laughs> the millennials love it. It's delicious. Yet a little bit expensive. <laughs> a little expensive. A little, a little on the pricey side. You're, you're going to do it maybe once or twice on special occasions, but not every day. No. Not every day. It's smooth and creamy. I would never describe our podcast as smooth as creamy. That's just bad marketing, I think, on our side. I don't know. I think it's good, right? Uh, is it good? Smooth and creamy. Is it? I don't know. We're, let's, um, if you think smooth and creamy is a good way to describe a podcast, you can email Quentin at twoenthusiasts <laughs> at, at gmail.com. Funnily enough, I bought a, uh, uh, it's a, a thing, it's a gimbal for a phone yeah. so that you can record smoothly. It's called the Smooth Q. Not kidding you. Smooth you cue. are a smooth cue right. with a smooth cue. <laughs> mm. There's like an inception thing going on there. I bought it so that we might actually, like I was thinking, all right, we should probably have something that we maybe could start doing a recording of us doing things with motorcycles. We talk about it a lot, which means it'll probably start happening in about a year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got the thing now and it's bitching. Yeah. It works really well. It's uh. impressive. Smooth cue. Smooth cue. So what's happening? You tell me, man, what's happening. I got to go to the Eric Bostrom riding school last weekend. That sounds or rad. Two weekends ago. That sounds super rad. You, you had invited me, and Wednesday. I should have sucked it up and gone. Yeah. I had a good excuse. I don't remember what it was now. No, but I had didn't. a good excuse. You didn't. There was no excuse. So what Eric uh, has done is he works with Fast Track Riders, which is an LA yeah, I've written Fast Track. area yeah. track day provider and or instruction provider. Back when I was in LA, they were just track days. I don't remember any instruction, but I, I don't remember it that well. I don't think I ever went because I was always working for competing dealerships. So when I had track days, it was like pro Italia track days, stuff like that. So fast track riders wasn't in my wheelhouse. But anyway, they now have a pretty high level instruction situation going on with Eric, Jake Zemke, Jeremy Toy, who's a, a really fast guy from SoCal. Um, Pikes Peak yeah, winner. He is a Pikes Peak yeah, winner. Uh, I think even Chris Ulrich is involved in some capacity. I saw his face in a, a pic group picture. Anyway, high level, pretty cool. And they do a lot of stuff at Fontucky, as we uh, know it, um, which I think it used to be Auto Club Speedway. I don't even know what, what it's called now. Um, Cal Speedway, Fontana. I think they're just called the Black Hole. Yeah, it's it's gnarly. It's not, Font Fontucky is gnarly. But I've been there. I've, it was interesting. Was that on the MV Augusta thing? Yeah. 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 Someone told me the other day that we use the word interesting too often. This That's is, interesting. This is the appropriate use of the word interesting. Uh, that, yeah, this sure. is, that track is interesting. Yeah. It, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting. It's it's like when you bite into your first avocado toast. You're like, that's hmm. interesting. And then you're like. It's smooth and creamy. <laughs> but And crunchy. But crunchy at the same time, and, and there's a little tang. There's a little. There's a little tang. Mm, tang. I love tang. <laughs> I could say I'm just not. <laughs> just move along, sir. Eric Bostrom School. All right. So Fontucky. yeah, Fontucky. Uh, first AMA race. That was the first place I ever raced AMA. Was at Fontucky. Yeah, I qualified oh, wow. dead last, but I qualified. Was that because you crashed? Probably. I crashed a bunch that weekend. I was not in a good way. I rear-ended, uh, I think it was Danny Eslick at the time. Uh, he came out of a corner and missed a shift or something, and we were both on the throttle. And I whacked my uh, charging system side of the bike on his exhaust, and it hit, the, it hit the charging system so hard, and it broke the cover 
uh, which voided most of the oil out onto the track at that time. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a warranty. I was like, I think no, you voided the warranty yeah, long ago. It was long before that. But it, um, the bike wouldn't charge after that. It hit the, it hit the, uh, the uh, magnet so hard that it de-energized the magnet. It was really strange. Huh. Yeah, it was weird. Anyway. De-gaussed it? Yeah, gauss. Naus, gauss. Uh, I'm a social sciences major. I may have just screwed yeah, that Yeah, I know. That's good. No, we should look that up because that's a. it was the strangest thing. I ended up having to do total loss out of that bike, but... Um, Faster. It was because you don't have that magnetic force against your you know, engine. That's a, real, that's a real thing. I was 15th fastest in qualifying as far as top speed, but I was like 40th. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a Mike Velasco built engine. Um, so, anyway, Eric... Uh, does this thing at his, um, him and Ben bought a house in kind of near Temecula a long time ago, probably 20 years ago. And they don't really, really use it to live in now, but they have it. And the, the key was that it has a dirt bike track on the property. Um, or I should say a flat track. It's, it's basically a TT track. So there's a, there's one jump and then many different configurations of track. So we were running in small circle track, small paper clip track, uh, and then horseshoe shape, et cetera, et cetera. And you just, you just lay out cones and you go around it. You start off on Kawasaki 140s, I think, is the thing. So small dirt bikes, knobby front, and a, a road rear. Uh, huh. like a, so you're definitely going to slide around. Yeah. And no, that's the, that's the thing. And it, him and his dad was there, which was rad, Dave. Super cool that to get to ride with Bostrom's dad because he's a pretty high-level racer himself, or was back in the day. Um, 76 years old, couldn't keep up with him. Unreal, uh, unreal. But I, I shouldn't be surprised, it's right? that old man strength. It's seriously, yeah. there's something about that. Like, dude was brick shit house, right? Very strong, impressive. So I show up with my friend Neil, uh, who lives down in Oceanside, and it was like, he just bought a flat track bike himself. So I was like, dude, we should go do this thing. And, uh, so me and Neil show up on a Sunday morning, they do it. He does it over the weekend, but I tell you right now, one day is enough. You will be beat to shit. If you tried to do it two days in a row, you probably wouldn't get much out of it unless you're really, really fit. And even if you're fit, you're using a very specific set of muscles to keep your legs out. Yeah. That like hip flexor. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. If you're good with the hip flexors, maybe you could do two days. I couldn't, I could barely, by the end of the day, I was doing feet up drills just because I couldn't put my legs down the whole time. I'm, I'm not kidding. I was like, that's how, it's a gnarly thing on a flat track bike to keep feet up. But that was one of the things he was teaching. And I won't get into the specifics of what he's teaching because he, he has a very specific set of Bostrom-esque things, mainly bent towards road racing. So you think, oh, I'm going to flat track school. This is just a flat track. No, he's using it very specifically to talk about how to ride on the road, specifically at Cal Speedway. He uses often corners at Cal Speedway to talk about because he's used to pulling from the fast track riders that they're teaching in fast track. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. And it, you know what, it applies. And even for somebody like myself who hasn't ridden it at that track in, you know, 15 years, I definitely was getting a lot out of it. We'd have a, a bit of a classroom session and he'd show a corner. A corner's a corner. If he's just saying it's turn three at, at Fontana, fair enough. It doesn't really matter. It's still applied to what we were doing. So that was neat. And then the bikes were set up, as Eric said, very road racing. And you're like, how the hell could you call a 140cc dirt bike with a knobby front and a and a <laughs> slick tire a road racing? But you'd have to get out on it to understand yeah. the, the way they behave and the way he was speaking to body positioning and where you're getting on the throttle, where you're getting on the brakes, et cetera. I call that dirt bike set up the mullet. The mullet, yeah, it it's is. Party in the front. In the front. 
party, party in, the, in back. the back. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Especially when it was slick in the morning. I was I had so much fun, man. And I learned, you know, I was like, okay, I, I did a Rich Oliver school 15 years ago, back when he was still on Hondas, back when he was still using Kenny Roberts's Honda flat track bikes instead of Yamaha's. Uh, I was at one, I think the first year. So that was a, a similar school. So if you, if you're aware of the Rich Oliver mystery school, he's up in like Auberry or Auburn or something like that near Fresno. Um, and does a similar thing cause he's a road racer and he's applying it to, to flat tracking and dirt riding in general to road racing. Um, and it was good. And I, I would definitely recommend that too. But Eric provides a, an extra level of cerebral, I don't know how to describe it. Eric's just an incredibly smart human being, and he has a very cool way about him. He's very relaxed and easy and easygoing. Of course, it helped that I was his mechanic 10 years ago, right? So I already had prior knowledge of Eric. That's why I want to do it. I was like, if I'm going to go learn something, I'd rather do it from somebody who I know is even keel and not just a braggadocious alpha male asshole like so many of the instructor type of people that are out there i just didn't want that i, I was like i can learn a lot from this dude no and i did so i was uh i was really happy uh, after after many years of not being on a on a real flat track situation like that i was comfortable right off the bat and any critique he was able to give i was able to use immediately and be like okay my position's wrong. Eric's telling me, and I I was able to think about it and, and apply it immediately. And we did so many laps. I mean, so many laps of all the different courses. So fully, um, fully recommend it. It was four hundred bucks at worth every penny. Five hundred dollars worth it, no doubt. So I you we should try and go. Like I was like, I'll do this every year. I'd do this every year. You yeah. just to keep tra- skills up. If I could do that once a year. That would be an amazing situation. Sure, I'd rather have a track in my backyard like that, but I'm not going to. So if we can figure out a way to do it sometime, I I recommend it. It's a really good time. Yeah, I was definitely disappointed I didn't go. And now listening to you, I'm even more disappointed. I have all the disappointments. Going no, on. it'll be all right. One thing as a note is that it would apply to anything. If somebody's dual sporting, then it applies to you. If you're road racing, it applies to you. If you're just riding on the street, it applies to you. Not as much on the street because you're using some pretty advanced techniques but you know what bike control is bike control and if you can get comfortable feet up sliding around a corner sliding into and out of a corner with your feet up you've got a skill set that transfers to any motorcycle anytime anywhere any place so you should always go for something like that that's the key to this one is that i I think it's such a core central thing that it branches out from that core to every single motorcycle i mean this side of trials but even then, you probably find some skill at doing this that would apply to trials. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like, I mean, what you described is exactly why I get on the go-kart track with my Supermoto. Sure. Because that, that skill set of letting the rear get loose and sliding through a turn, that's something I want to be able to have control over when it happens on a bigger bike, where this is a sensation or this is a movement that I already have um, like a muscle memory yeah, for. Yeah, sense memory or, for, or, uh, sure an understanding of what is going on mechanically and what I need to do physically to, to either correct it or make the most of it or not be spooked by it when I'm riding, you know, a 200 horsepower superbike or something like that. Yeah. And imagine how much better it is even going from a go-kart track on a whatever supermoto to being on a bike in slick conditions, period. Yeah. You're, every little thing you do matters. So then you develop that sense of memory as you're sliding in and out of why, when you're using the brakes, when you're using the brakes at full up and down or at a slight lean and you feel the way the bike goes out of control while you're doing it. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. That was really good. And there was a few other students 
So you're on the track with like five people at once, <laughs> and it was good. One of the students was Doug Demokos's child. Um, not a lot of people know who Doug Demokos is. You don't. The Wheelie King. He was a really well-known dude that was not not Evil Knievel level, but similar. And a lot of people from the 70s, 80s know him as the Wheelie King. And he would go, He, I think he had a war, world record, like nearly 200 miles on a wheelie uh, around Daytona or it's something. stupid. Yeah, it's crazy shit. Like, it, like how, many, how many hours did that take? Yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird thing. And I didn't know that. I made, I made the guess up to, because I was talking to his kid, um, Nick. And I was like, didn't he have to do like world's longest wheelie? And he told me the story about somehow, some way they fucked up the refueling. They were going to refuel him in a wheelie going around the track <laughs> and somebody screwed that up and then, then the bike came down and, but he still had like 200 miles or something like that. Right. I have to look it up. I'm sorry. I don't know the exact. Anyway, it was interesting. And the guy passed away in a ultralight crash back in like 2002. Like the airplane. Yeah. Oh wow. So you know, I've you know how this this industry is, right? You do all these dangerous things, and then then you die doing another <laughs> dangerous, weird thing, right? So this the kid had not known his dad, right, and was had just found motorcycling almost completely separately, which I thought was really cool. Uh, lived down in Mission Viejo, so knows the right people. Had got into road riding, hmm. and then got to fast track, and now was there with Eric. So it was a really interesting thing to meet somebody like that. Such a big part of the industry for a lot of people. That Demokos is of note, um, but n- again, not for everybody. Like you, anybody that watched any racing in the seventies, eighties, or was into it, probably knew of this guy because he would come and do like halftime show right, style right. stuff. Right, he was a known thing, but just not evil can evil level. So that was neat. All right, so that was my not my experience there, and then not long after that, my buddy Neil that I went there with uh, let me borrow his Aprilia Tuono V4 1100. Oh yeah, saw that on the on the uh, yeah. Instagrammers. So I got to go ride around on that through San Diego County, um, out to Jen's place, which is out near Warner Springs, and yeah, it was it was great to be in a spot where I could lane split. Speaking of 200 mile wheelies, <laughs> yeah, right. No, I didn't. No wheelies for me. I'm not that good. Uh, no tickets, though. I was happy about that. Dude, California's gnarly. There's, well, first off, everybody speeds like a mofo. It's Love so, it. Love so it. good. The right? California dream. I'm so happy when I'm there because I'm like going like 80 <laughs> miles an hour and I'm one of the slowest. I'm not kidding you. On the 15 freeway heading from like Temecula South, I was doing 85 and getting passed. And I'm like, these are my people. Oh, these are my people. And when I could stop... I could just go straight to the front of the line. Oh, my God. It was so good. I hate the rest of the United States for not allowing lane splitting. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's so convenient and so easy and so safe. I'm staying out of people's blind spots. I'm just flowing through traffic. I loved it. And then I was on a bike with an Akrapovich or Akrapovich. 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 I always hate that. I can't. Uh, I I called him a Krakashitz as a joke for long enough. Now I can't remember. Anyway, good, good sounding bike. Very very taut, very uh, bumpy, like, you know, very, not not a very comfortable street ride, I'll say that, mm. you know, but when you want to get on it, holy shit. Is, is Neil kind of a bigger guy? No, no, he's teeny, <laughs> but, all right. Maybe it's, maybe the... It's just those bikes, I'm sorry, but it's not, even the Street Fighter is a little bit more forgiving. I'm thinking of a naked, fast Italian bike. Mine was a little bit more forgiving than that, but still, it's, it's still a super bike with a with handlebars. <laughs> yeah, with handlebars. So, of course, it's going to be pretty taut. But comfortable and fun. It has super bike fairings, too. 
I always like that. Bit. I always like that about the Tawana where it's supposed to be the Street Fighter. And like that is a lot of fairing for a Street Fighter. It doesn't have enough though. It's not like you know. It's not like it, it guarded too much wind, but it was fun to ride around on. Would would own for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Near near the top of the list. I think I'm. I think I'm more on the Super Duke side. But if a Tawana showed up. I'd yeah. be totally fine with that. You're not going to kick it out of bed for eating crackers. No, not at all. Not for crackers. <laughs> not for crackers. Avocado toast? You're yeah. out of here. Oh, yeah, yeah man. All those little bits, they're oh, sharp. <laughs> <laughs> the crust. <laughs> So That's yeah, cool. good. That sounds like a good time. It was. The only uh, negative to the journey was having to drive up to Modesto from San Diego and go handle some some Alta business. Uh, and I wasn't supposed to. So that's always an interesting thing to be in a car and have to uh, traverse through the bulk of L.A. But I managed to get through it unscathed. Saw some people that I hadn't seen in a long time. It's good to good to be in L.A., but it's good to leave. Even better to leave. Yeah. 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 I'm the same way about that. Except I don't even like going. I just like leaving. <laughs> if I could like figure out some yeah. sort of like Mobius strip where I'm always leaving <laughs> LA, that would be that would be heaven for me. Uh Jensen. Perpetual bliss. Hmm. Well, so that's that. That's me. What about you? Any any bikey things? You were talking about something. You're you're over here moaning and groaning about your shoulder. Did you have a shoulder injury that was bike related? I went I went dirt biking with some uh, friends with some mutual friends of ours. Yeah. And uh I had a not like a spectacular off, but I landed really poorly and really messed my junk up. Um, my wrist looked like one of those medical gloves that you've blown up like a balloon. You really? should have seen it. You should have seen it a few days ago. It was. It was not. When you say junk, you got to be careful because that's kind of a colloquialism for the genitalia, right? So if you say I messed my junk up, I'm thinking, wow, you racked yourself hard on like so. Well, when you have junk like mine, Quentin, <laughs> it gets in the way. <laughs> Fair enough. My alpha maleness. <laughs> it gets banged up pretty quick. <laughs> you know, call it a quick shifter. <laughs> but yeah, no, I took a, it was a stupid, it was a stupid dirt bike crash. Where was this at? Brown's camp? No, we went to Diamond Mill. Did, oh, well, that's why. So we took, this is, this gnarly, is the best part. We took our, our friend of the show, Jonas, for the first time, dirt, first time dirt went biking to fucking ever. Diamond Mill? What <laughs> we are you, went to Diamond that's horrible. Mill. Why would you? Uh, oh. Your, your friend, not my friend, your friend, Christian. Yeah. That was his idea. And was it, was it the three of you? And Ryan. And just so nobody knew where they were going there either. Well, Ryan's very techie. So yeah, uh, because Christian will get you fucking lost out there. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't realize that until we At got all. there. And I'm like, why isn't Christian leading? Christian's us? a hall asser, and he's sometimes good at directions. But once we nope. get up on those, I have. Nope. It's pretty bad. I'm okay, but I, you know, techie is the way to be up there for sure. Did you get to Triangulation we Point? We got to Triangulation Point. Well, that's all that matters. Which this is, is cool. this really epic. It's a gnarly riding area west of Portland by an hour and a half. And you get to go the best ride. You is go from, right past the the perfect spot for beginner riders. Yeah, you Browns right camp, past, right Rogers camp. It. You go right past it and then just keep on going until like the rock garden of doom. Yeah. And it's gnarly and and high, high level. But great for Altas because the further you go up, the further you go because you regen on the way down. So I'm sure it was Christian on his. On. Christian and Jonas were on the Altas. I was on Ryan's uh, CRF 250 oh, that, cool. that he was trying to sell. Yeah. So I really helped him. Uh, lower the the asking price on yeah, that afterwards. Know, did you were you not tempted to buy it? I would I would gladly buy it. Not after I wrote it though. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's it's actually running great. 
Um, As it should. I have one too. They're bitching. If someone could could take a hyper Motard off my hands, maybe oh, maybe that a, might be the deal. A dirt bike can get in the garage. For no, me. that's a good that's a good bike. It's what I have, so I can imagine. No, it was awesome. solid. It was solid. And triangulation point's beautiful. You get up to the spot where you can see over the coast range, almost. But you can see the water if on certain days, so it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but, yeah, we could see the water actually. But the yeah. uh, the the trip up there, depending on which way you go, it's gnarly. We had a good time. It was a good time time out for Memorial Day weekend for Memorial Day itself. Was that when you were out? Yeah. So I think that's why we didn't go to Brown's camp, Rogers camp, because it was just a little too crowded of a day. Memorial Day went on Monday and there was a track day. Are you talking oh, about you're Sunday? Right. You're right. We went Saturday. Saturday. I just got but my still, it's Memorial Day confused. weekend. Memorial was there many weekend. people up there? It was pretty crowded in the parking area, yeah. but we didn't see that many people no, on the trails. you never do. That's the beauty of this yeah. place. Sure. Okay. It was good. Cool. But yeah, definitely, definitely got banged up. Thought I broke my collarbone plate. Thought oh, I broke it was my, bad. Thought I broke my hand. Yeah, it just ended up being hyperextending. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure with the hand. It's it's the swelling's finally gone down, and I'm not really. Are you right-handed? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So it's it's like sixty percent. It's fine. All right, cool. That's fine. Whatever. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. I can get stories out now. Yeah, for sure. And you know, if you're not crashing every once in a while you're probably not having that much fun and i hadn't had a good dirt bike crash in a long long while so it was it was good to kind of like oh yeah that's right you can get hurt on these things yeah it was just i had saw in some message forum on facebook about if somebody complaining about street bike riding how dangerous it is and i'm like i don't know the times that i have been i feel closest to either death or paralysis have been on dirt bikes for Mm -hmm. sure even though I've crashed at 140 miles an hour in turn eight at Willow Springs, I've crashed all over the place on road race bikes. There's something about being so close to trees and shit. That when a, lot, I, a lot of trees, a lot of rocks, a lot of cliffs. And every time I've yeah. fallen down in my neck, I've had some neck things and I'm, I worry about. So you just got to be super, super careful. And so you really shouldn't be riding over your head, you know, but whatever happens. That's motorcycle. That's how you grow. Yeah. That's a growing pain. It's true. Literally a growing pain. Yeah. Um, but that's a good segue because Honda just came out with, I think, a really important dirt bike. I agree. The the CRF 450L. This is a dual sport, street legal, 450cc dirt bike. Derivative of their uh, 450 motocross bike. Uh, the X. It was built, it was developed in conjunction with the new CRF 450X. New. Yes. So I didn't see. So, I so saw this whole 450cc dirt bike lineup just got refreshed for 2019. Everything. Everything. Even the full-on motocross bike? Yeah, even the R bike got some, let's say, tweaks. Okay. And then not, they came out it's with... It's not like a new frame, new engine or anything like no, that. No, 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 no. And then they came out with a factory works bike, which... Which is interesting as well. Yeah. That Honda would... Everybody's looking at KTM and looking at the market share KTM's got by a long shot, I have a feeling. KTM's like a little Pac-Man just coming along, just chomp, gobbling chomp, chomp, everything chomp, chomp. up. Yeah. And I think Honda's like, no, 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 no. Miss Pac-Man's going to come and get some is what's going to happen. Right, red with the little bow. That's, I don't remember that's the ghost names. Blinky. Oh, I didn't even know they had names. They got that's names. Cool names. Yeah, like one's Blinky and one's I don't know. There's someone. There's someone. There's one Uber two enthusiast nerd yelling at their they're their like, radio right now. No, oh, this, his name's, this, this, his name's George. Yeah. Right. How did you not know that? Well, who, who would be the ghost? The motorcycle industry. Uh, the AMA. Oh, wow. oh, oh, uh, MIC. Getting topical. <laughs> dump, 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 dump. <laughs> There's the manufacturers trying to just get some, and no, um, yeah, L is cool, and I like it. It looks good, and it's solid. And being a Honda fan, 
I think of all of the bikes that are out there that most hardcore dirt bike off-roaders want that are plated. Um, and then also working for Alta and having an enduro that's basically that, like something that's pretty rad, has all the components, that has the weight and the and the various things that you need to have to do off-roading, but still has a plate. And you don't necessarily, you're not going to go 500 miles on the thing, but you're going to be able to go off-road and in-between trails with it, right? That's what they said, trail to trail. And, and before we get too far into the weeds on this going, I think, I think we need to back up a little bit and explain why this bike is so important. There's been a... a, a a hole in the Japanese lineup for a street legal 450 dirt bike. For There's no, there none. Like Yamaha sport. doesn't Yamaha have it. I guess it's just mm-hmm. a WR. No. It's not plated. The WR they don't. They have the 250 that's plated, but they never. Ha- they didn't have the 450. When I talked to Yamaha about that a couple years ago, they were just like, "Yeah, we ran the numbers. It just it wouldn't sell enough. The price would be too high. It's just it just can't work. It just can't work here." What about Suzuki? Didn't they have Suzuki's got the DRZ 400? It's a 400, though. but you're kind of like. And, it, and it's old techie. It's, it's not Kawasaki doesn't have. No. So this huh. is a big deal that there's finally like something like this in KTM, the space. Gas Gas, Beta, they've all been selling a, a, I what I see is a crap. I go to this Desert 100 thing in Washington every year and there's hundreds of these bikes. Well, right? and that's why I call bullshit when Yamaha was selling it to me because I'm sitting there going like, have you, have you guys seen what your competitors are selling? They're selling metric boat tons of these bikes. Don't tell me there isn't a market. Don't tell me that there isn't a a price point because your competitor's doing it. And that's part of why KTM's this little Pac-Man coming along gobbling things up because you kind of sit there and like the Japanese are just it makes you not wonder responding. What, what made them look at it like, oh, well, we can't either get a piece of that or it's not big enough. It's like, make one, make it big enough. And maybe they're starting to see that the trend towards off-road is so high now that it is finally. And yeah. Honda's got their production in such a way that they're like, well, if we can amortize the cost of building this over the course of all of these models and start making a lot of light components, et cetera, et cetera. I think that was part of it with them building it in conjunction with the 450X. Yeah. Where they can say, okay, so the common parts been between this, the X, the L, and the R version of the Sierra 450 is high enough that we can kind of like, well... We can get the profitability, or we can yeah. get the price point, or we can get the margin. Because all we have to do is glom on a light kit, a sweet kickstand. You know, I'm all about the kickstand. Um, and a couple other components. I would assume the suspension's probably bespoke to that. Probably not the same as the X, but the X, so everybody understands, is the off-road, long-distance enduro-style bike uh, compared to the R. The R being the Supercross motocross track bike. Right. The X being... What you would use if you were going to go race off-road for hair scramblers, desert. Grand Prix, yeah. desert, etc. So it they have lights, but only because you need a light when it gets dark, not to make DOT legal. Right. Whereas the L is now going to be DOT legal. Now the L two fifty version is kind of known as a turd. It's just a right kind not of a soft. Big, that was super a really beginner. disappointment when it came out. But it's supposed to be bitching in its own way, but only for a specific set of people jen the person i work with jen dunstan had one and right off the bat was like this doesn't it's not even close to what i need to be a beginner bike i need better get jen's jen's levels higher than most right thought that it would be good and it just wasn't there's a lot of people that don't even really consider the crf 250l a dirt bike because it's so heavy and underpowered and And under capable yeah and they're just like this is a yeah this is a street bike that looks like a dirt bike but it could totally do the thing it's just why you can do the thing on a panigale quentin yeah i did um but then you could you'd see another 
Uh, however, what the cost was, it would be you just can find another bike that would do the thing in the KTM Husqvarna world, probably, right? right? right. So that's the deal. Now they're like, hmm, now we need to make this more extreme. Uh, I saw a bunch of scuttlebutt about the bike being heavy. And it's I'm heavy. Like, it's uh, 289, I think, off the top eh, of my head. And that's like, give me a break. That's not heavy. That's just not. That's fueled up, ready to go. That that's fully curb weight. So a lot of people talking shit. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. All right, what well, what is the equivalent KTM? I would have to see. Well, let's put it this way. I know my my Husky, which is a 477, so basically a 450. That tips the scales at 270. Yeah, so it's pretty light. That with with gas and everything, and so, that's with lights and all the shit on. Right, right, that's a street legal supermoto. I'd love to know what Honda, why Honda's is more heavy because it has a lot of light stuff on it's it. It's got a titanium gas tank, which Does I thought really? was interesting. Yeah, huh. straight off the the four fifty R. Really interesting, yeah. and same as the CBR one thousand. They're all about their titanium. They were, there's someone, someone in there's like guys titanium fuel tanks. Yeah, sure. that's the new jam. This is the jam. That's the new avocado. Well, it makes you wonder if it's. Um, yeah, you know, subframe. Does it does it have provisions for a, a passenger? Because that usually that's of. what makes bikes super heavy is that the subframe for bags and shit like that. And they might have done that. I mean, just looking at the photos, I can't see how you would. I wouldn't either. But you never know. That well, it'd be interesting to see. This is where you call Honda and say, "Hey, I need a long term well, test bike." Asphalt River will be at the press launch from that. I've already confirmed. Oh, it. that's awesome! Super yeah. glad to hear that. Where is that going to be? I don't know yet. Okay, cool. I don't think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to send Carlin. Yeah, or me. I'll go. I want to go. I think I think you conflict out. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I want to go. I don't, so. don't want to like kill it for you, but no, you're I right. Think, I think you conflict out. You're right. Oh, I'm <laughs> so sad. <laughs> quit your job. <laughs> just 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 quit, quit your job. job. This just go full time. I really want to go ride this, this bike. Uh quit. Yeah, no. I'm sure we could. We, I'm sure we could get one up here. Yeah, I know. We should. We can. I think yeah. we know a guy. Okay. I think we. I think we know a guy. Sure. I think. I think. Colin, the PR guy's probably listening right now. He's, okay. a, he's a fan of the show. All right, right on. We'll figure it out. Okay. Hey, Colin. What's up? <laughs> what's up, bro? So super exciting. You got, to you see got some it. avocado toast? Yeah. No. Super exciting to see that. I'm glad to. Uh, glad to. I'd, I'd be glad to take one to go get some auto, avocado toast and in, in town. Just put, put around with a street legal dirt. Toast bike. to toast, trail to trail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I was. For me, like covering the story, like it's asphalt over for a reason, even though it's a it's a dual sport. But the big pitch that I was really trying to to convey to my readers was like, this is such a big deal in the space to finally have this 450cc dirt bike that's street legal. It's been such a missing component to the American landscape of motorcycling. And to finally see it like come here, it's like, yes, thank you. Finally, so many people have been asking for this. So many people have been like, why, why doesn't this exist for us from a Japanese brand? And I hope it kind of spurs... Yamaha and Kawasaki and maybe Suzuki rethinks the DRZ and all that stuff to be like, okay, yeah, let's, let's fill this void because there is some positive traction in the dual sports space in terms of sales and growth. It's not robust, but compared to the rest of the industry, it's, it's palpable. It's, it's tangible. And there's a reason why we're going to have with the Alta at Erzberg is going to have lights on it, right? They're going to, it's marketed as the EX because it is, it's the same thing, right? The, the if bike, you guys can find one of them, well, no, that's the other thing. We right? already got so there's two people are riding. Lyndon's bikes got stolen, right? But the other person, Ty Tremaine, his, his bikes are going to be there. So they're they're figuring it out right now. It looks like WP came up with another set of the cone valve forks, which are these super trick gnarly forks, um, and they're building bikes from scratch for Lyndon. I somehow. I don't know how, because it's very difficult to get back, the bike. Back in 
factory and I don't know they're going to ship them over. It's happening in Europe. Europe, I think. I think they're going to make it happen. So for those don't know, I think it was on Monday. Maybe or maybe it was Sunday. I think it was yeah. I think it was even further um, into the weekend. L- Lyndon, who's this? Who's who's English? British? English? British? Whatever. Um, if you put the Queen's face on your currency, you're British. Okay, so he, he, British guy. Uh, I don't think he's Welsh. I don't. I'm assuming not. Right. So he's driving down and gets the. Uh, I think they use the term nicked. The bikes were nicked out of uh, some town in England. Which is really unfair to all the Nicholases of the world. Yeah. Right. So that sucks. And like these are the trickest of the trick awesome bikes that were created and they're stolen. It almost smacks of sabotage. It's so bad. It's like, what the hell could, why, how did, how, how did this happen? But England being England, I guess that's a thing. There's a lot of bike theft stuff goes There's on. There's been a there. lot of bike theft lately. Yeah. And same here though, right? So anyway, he gets the stuff nicked and now is kind of kind of screwed because he's one of the two people uh, that was supposed to be riding Erzberg for us. So we'll see how this goes. Hopefully, there'll be an awesome story of triumph over tragedy. No yeah. triumphs, though. Triumph doesn't race this race. Yet. Hmm. Yet. Scramblers. That'll bring up the scrambler. So yeah, I could see where um, all manufacturers are going to get on it if we if you need it, even for small... Trail to trail is the key, you know, it's an, uh, our bikes don't go long distance, but in order to ride between trails, say out in Eastern Oregon, you have to ride roads sometimes. And it's nice to have that. If you're going to do Barstow to Vegas, you have to have a plate. There's a lot of different things that, that a plate it comes in super handy. So uh, Honda is seeing that and I'm surprised that it's taken this long. I'm surprised too. I mean, that's, that's the thing for me. It, it's been such kind of a glaring omission it's it seemed like such an obvious thing if you've got a 250 and you've got a 650 why don't you have a 450 now i would i would imagine and this is this is the tech in me you don't those 450s in order to be competitive they have to be light and small in order to be light and small you can't have a big uh sump for the motor you have to have an oiling system that's very specific they're made to just brap at motocross tracks they're not made to drone along at highway speeds so they had to they have to engineer that, and that's probably where some of the cost is. It would be interesting to see the the tech breakdown of oh. what it takes. Like your bike, if for example, long distance running, oh, high oh, RPM, man. it'll puke oil into the airbox. There's reasons for that, right? There's there's dynamics into those motors that make it a make it difficult to to engineer that for a big single like this. So whatever they did, they had to kind of bend it. It's not an XR six fifty L but it's not going to be like as gnarly as their R race bike. And it has to have a starter motor and all that other stuff, which usually the X bikes have anyway, but combine that with the ability to run it. I would assume 55 miles an hour, 65 miles an hour for an extended period of time. You got to have some shit to make that happen. I I think part of that too, when you, one of the criticisms is um, the maintenance schedule is is a little, intensive well what is the what is the deal i think they're saying 1500 miles for valve checks yeah and then you know the standard that's pretty gnarly but it's not it's not bulletproof street bike like you're used to well it is but it's not the 500 mile service thing that my husky is yeah i would say there is a bulletproofness to it if you do the maintenance correctly right and there's i would love to know is it the same shared oil situation or is it separate oil like you know my my 250x has transmission oil and then there's engine oil keeps the keeps the uh the clutch plate crap out of the the engine oil right right? it's a good thing but that also makes it finicky and small super small amounts of oil you know like a liter of oil in the engine right it is it's small (laughs) so that's not always the best that's why i was explaining that maybe they had to increase the capacity or something like that i don't don't know. know 
We'll find out. Yep. Uh, moving right along, Quentin, keeping it keeping it off ready for you. Oh yeah. One of the it. one of the more interesting pieces of news that I saw was the Dakar Rally for 2019 will only be in Peru after um, I think Bolivia was the last country to to pull out. But they, uh, what do you think the reason for that is? What do you because I know Bolivia has the Altiplano, which is beautiful, but also problematic for like salt, wet. Yeah, I think I mean I think I think at the end of the day. South American countries are still kind of struggling post-recession, post-worldwide economy crash. On on a larger scale, I think the, the countries like Argentina and Chile and Bolivia in particular have their own unique problems, but they've had a lot of environmental issues. They've had a lot of uh, earthquakes and fires yeah. where okay. like the Dakar was legitimately a draw on resources that could have been better used. And yeah. I think they even um, changed some of the routes and, and some of the stages to be more kind of forgiving to to the municipal services that they required or lack thereof or lack thereof and i think some of them is just comes down to money to a certain extent sure and and just the hassle of it and the impact and you know if you've hosted this race almost a decade now you know in, in these countries in this area there might be a certain amount of fatigue in terms of how many people are coming in how much tourism it's drawing it's like oh well i already saw it in Bolivia last year. Yeah. So I'm not going to go again this year. And yeah. maybe they've time to tap that out. So Peru will be the only country of of, of hosting for 2019. But Peru has some pretty rad stuff. So. It'll be cool. I, I don't think it's going to be the lesser for it. But it is interesting that they are discussing a return back to Africa hmm. for 2020. And um, that did, could be that could be interesting. Did you see yeah. that Weezer just covered the, the Toto song, The Reigns of Africa? Did I you did not. Yeah, that it's it's actually pretty good. Weezer of all play. Of all I found bands. the the heavy metal version of it on <laughs> YouTube. That? That's really good. It's like some Norwegian guy or yeah, Icelandic sure. guy. Yeah. But um Well, back to Africa. That'd be great. That'd be interesting, especially if it's in out of Dakar. Like then it, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, it doesn't look like they're gonna end up going to Dakar. Um no. they're the, Still too the much countries that are being strife. banded about are Algeria, Angola, and Na- Namibia. Namibia is understandable. That's the one that's kind of south. Well, yeah, it looks like it would be a route that would go through Angola and Namibia because uh, they, they touch each other. And that would that would make uh-huh. sense to me. Algeria's that's north, out there, and Algeria is big. known for being kind of gnarly. That's the, been the problem. Is a lot of those countries that are north, there's a lot of unrest and there's a lot of weird oil, money, bad deal, mining stuff. Not like like. Not like miners. Min- mining with miners? Not miners, but miners. But, 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 but uh, yeah. miners. Like pickaxes, miners. Like little hands that dig in the earth. <laughs> it's been a while since we had a miners joke. Yeah, man. it is. It's been a long time ago. I've actually had that like kind of dug down into my notes like, what happened to the minor jokes? <laughs> get back to the minor jokes. Well, major jokes. We've got major jokes. we got minor jokes. <laughs> we got we got mediocre jokes. <laughs> we got jokes all in between. <laughs> So it's a full service podcast. So if it gets back, then it would be I'm I, that makes sense. That'd be cool if the Dakar was not named Dakar any longer, because <laughs> right they could call it something that would be more appropriate. And then you know make it put it in Baja and in, uh, through the Sonoran Desert, or I don't know, change it to where it's worldwide, not just South America or Africa. Get it into North America. Get it into maybe Europe, but I doubt it. I think it needs to be that epic desert 
that that's kind of what it should be is like yeah. an epic desert 15 day thing or 16 day or whatever it is all i'm going to say is technically antarctica is a desert that's true yeah so that could be interesting uh-huh yeah no studded tires studded bikers a bunch Arr, of studs just a yeah. bunch of studs so i i mean it, i think you kind of hit the point on the head in terms of the name like this race is so kind of iconic but it's so attached to to the Dakar and it's just it just keeps evolving yeah which is which is interesting I don't think they'll ever change the name because it's just yeah it does at this the, point the brand is the brand yeah you, you already jumped that hurdle when you moved to South America yeah. like I don't think now like it makes any sense if you were going to change the name that was the point in time and that time is long past so and then it can become you know I'm going to go Dakaring and then it transcends the name mm, of the city and like then Xerox. it just becomes yeah yeah or or Microsoft we've been talking about large but we were saying a uh, large bumbling poorly developed stuff it's uh, it's very microsoft microsoft did it <laughs> so it's very dakari i'm going dakaring what do you mean i'm going riding in the desert long distance yeah. we, we should make that a thing okay hashtag dakaring yeah sure uh what else we, i got maybe some racy stuff you want to do some racy oh, stuff yeah. with isle man isle sure. man's going on right meow right meow and it's practice week practice week practice slash qualifying week which there isn't really any qualifying it's really just time practice. But the practices are time. Doesn't really make a lot of sense to me as as an American. No. But they're out there they're out there doing the thing. I don't understand how you're confused. So they they're they're getting practice times <laughs> and they're they're gridded or they get choice of when they get released by virtue of their like would you I that would be a good question. Asking, they get released by their race number, which do they is, really? which is predetermined it's almost like a ranking like they come in but the two event kind of ranked by their number that's rank and then like that's why i say like qualifying i was like i think there is a terminal like you have to qualify to be able to get into the race like you have to be able to show a certain okay. speed yeah but, but it's not like you're qualifying for grid position i thought maybe you and could the only thing that really like, released with or something don't, don't they during some of the races don't you get released two at a time no practice sessions you get released two at a time ah okay practice slash qualifying two Got at it. a time race one at a time sure 10 10, 10 seconds 10 yeah. or 15 seconds i can't yeah. remember now got it but yeah um i saw one picture of dunlop looked like he was which one mickey d mickey d yeah sorry because because his brother william has pulled out of this year's tt uh, that was I, just announced the other day. What what was the deal? Personal reasons. Mm. He had a pretty bad crash at the Northwest 200, and it's uh. and he got pretty banged up. They didn't really attribute it to like his injuries, so maybe it makes me think that maybe there's a little bit of a head thing of just like, hey, I had a big off, I got yeah. lucky, yeah. I'm 32 years old, what am I doing? And, and that probably takes you know a couple seconds. Yeah. out of your time he and needs to maybe do some reflection perhaps no of tt this year yeah whereas michael is gas on and there's a picture of him similar to the one that i talked about on last show with lee johnston um hitting the curb this looks very similar but it's tough to tell exactly what he's but he's obviously in the marbles and obviously on the throttle um hardcore tony goldsmith um MotoGP photographer if you if yeah. you've been following asphalt rover for a long time you've definitely seen his work fantastic photographer he lives on the isle of man he was just sharing a photo with us this morning um epic 170 mile an hour jump photo riders landing on the rear wheel and you can just see the um 
tire deforming from the, mm. the impact. I mean, it's like a pancake. It's almost flat. Oh, cool. It's crazy. Like you, you almost sit there and you're like, how's that? Not did exploding? you share that on the, on our page or I you... will do. Yes, I did. Okay, cool. <laughs> I haven't yet, but I will. Oh, that may be asphalt and rubber or something. No. Yeah. I didn't have time this morning okay. to, to get it out, but it's pretty cool. It's, yeah. I mean, that, that everything about that race is, is, is pretty cool. Um, another thing of note right now, um, uh, Dean Harrison just set an unofficial lap record. I this saw is why that. this is why I kind of get like a little weird. Like, well, it's timed, but it's not timed, and it's, <laughs> like, it's like, well, like I get it, but so, so he, did he, he hit one thirty two or something? He did a one thirty three four six two, which is uh, sixteen minutes fifty seven seconds and thirty seven miles, like three quarters minutes. of a second on top of that. Like it's thirty seven miles. One of the few riders minutes. to crack under seventeen minutes. That's gnarly. That's so gnarly. So, and that's Holy just practice. Shit. That's just practice. Quentin. He's just he's just putting around practicing. What kind of bike is he on? Cowie? He's on the Cowie. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, Cowie with uh, Silicon Engineering. So he's he's putting down some some fat laps. Michael Dunlop's doing well. Dan Keen, Peter Hickman. Hickman's the one that I I had yeah. seen do well. At the yeah, 200. we talked about him last show. Huh. That's the hard part. I mean, if you want to switch gears and talk about the electric side of it, um, in my little racing journalist circles the tt zero race is frowned upon heavily yeah and i can kind of understand it from a sense and and i think it's fair too because the problem with the tt right now especially since michael sis and moto sis and and bramo and you know these these mugen no no because mugen's still in i'm talking about the teams that have kind of left oh got it yeah no longer part of it so now you just kind of have mugen racing itself which was kind of cool when they were going to have a three rider team this year so at least there'd be three riders battling out for the podium positions. Like, yeah, you know, the podium ceremony, you didn't know. You may know who's going to be there, but you don't know what order they're going to be in. So at least that gives us some sort of entertainment. Yeah. But it's hard because it's it's Mugen coming out there with cutting edge technology, raising the bar each time that they they race and turn a lap and, you know, ratcheting it up. And they're, they're knocking on the door to super sport times. And then everyone else is kind of just like, I want to put them down because I think it's fantastic that they're able to go do the thing that they're doing because they're universities. They're, they're kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say kids, but they're, they're young students that are learning this trade and, sure. and getting, you know, valuable kind of life experience and real world experience with, with electric drive systems. But it's, it's night and day in terms of budgets and access sure. to resources and experience. And like when you have a college team who has like basically a revolving door of students are coming on, like over the course of the TT zero's life, these college teams have, have completely had a, a complete turnover multiple times through now yeah. in terms of the students that are working sure. on it. And so that's just hard. You know, you're going to have a lot of institutional knowledge that gets lost in that transition. And then, and and like you just kind of pointed out with the van catching up, like the the level of sophistication isn't the same. Like the TT zero race and the element of TT's electric racing program suffers because they don't have enough sophisticated players in the space. So when you have a brand like Sarah Leah, who should have realized that they're named after frozen food, I was about to say delicious pound cake. <laughs> you ever have a Belgian brand like Sarah Leah come in, and they're like the next best professional effort, but they're I don't know how many miles per hour off the mark, but they're like eight to 10 miles an hour off yeah, the mark. Like not, they're not, not even, even close. close. Yeah, sure. They're not even keeping it honest, really. Well, the mind share of that is a, it's a tough one. And I don't, 
I, I think straight up, and the same goes for us at Alta, we, we just need to compete against the gas bikes. And what they need to do is uh, those bikes should be in the, if, if they're close enough in the times to be in the super sport, they should just be gridded up a super sport, right? And, you know, if you happen to be electric, maybe you get a little uh, golden star at the end if you're the electric that's the first, and then, you know, you could have it, but you might as well be part of the main show, and the same goes for us when we want to, everybody's like, well, you should have the electric series. Like, no, you don't want an electric series. That's not, that's not cool. We want to race against everybody else. Two-stroke, four-stroke, no-stroke, right? We want to be part of that, not just the one separate thing, because then it get into this E series, like you, uh, you talk about in the Formula E car thing, which... Well, the Formula E is just dumb because you have these pit stops these mandatory pit stops where you literally change cars and it's just yeah using trying to just be like it's just like formula one with electrics like well you're not really taking into account the the fundamental differences that that exist between those two things i think the moto e championship i think that could be really good especially if these teams can get some top level riders on it that will will bring fans like you put valentino rossi on a moto e-bike Guarantee yeah. you a bunch of people are going to watch that race. No, you're right. Just because it's it's Valentino Rossi. If you can get some riders that have some gravitas and some draw, it's just a spec series at that point. I mean, that's 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 the issue for for TT Zero is um in some ways it's becoming a spec series, but like not in the good way. Yeah. It's becoming a spec series because only one brand is really yeah. out there trying. Sure. But in closed circuit racing or you know, standard, or I would say more traditional road racing. I don't know how to say that without confusing road racing Alaman TT style and road racing as like how we use the word circuit in America. racing, just called circuit, circuit racing. racing. Yeah, circuit racing. Circuit racing when it's a spec series is actually pretty interesting because you're going to get really close tight fights do. and people are going to be banging bars and it really comes down to rider skill and 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 mechanical setup. So I right, I look right. at those of everything like well, well you got to make it uh, even. Like, no, that increases cheating by a long shot because you then have to look. You find one little advantage creative, and you start blowing yeah. things out. And you have to start getting really creative with it, which I love because then it, it, it makes, I wouldn't say cheating, but re- rule book bending. Well, right? I, I think a great example of that, and I'm, gonna, and I'm not saying this is why he won the championship, but when Mark Marquez's team figured out a way to use their quick shifter to augment the engine mapping on the spec ECU for the Moto2 class. Yeah it definitely provided him an advantage. Is that the reason he was blowing people out and winning huge no, know, races and it, all that? It, no, but it it's that there. one of the things where like, well, when you have like a, basically a factory team operating inside the Moto2 paddock, you can find some very creative solutions that can, that can turn into very sure. tangible results. And that on brain trust is going to be a, a, a beautiful thing to have. And we need that in all forms of racing. And in this electric series, the only brain trust seems to be Mugen and then the universities, which is awesome, but maybe not the best place for it. Maybe they need to find a different way to do it. A different de- level of road racing or Irish road racing or circuit racing. If you, if you told me that they were going to have like a university only electric class yeah. at the Manx Grand Prix, yeah, which is kind of like sense. the sure. TT light. Yeah. And that would make a lot of sense to me. The unfortunate thing is it wouldn't leave anyone to race at the TT zero. Yeah. And I think I like having the TT zero. I like having that race. I like having this benchmark on a course that we can, that we can see yeah. the progression of the technology, which has, you, you see with Mugen, I think only in the last year or two, have we seen kind of them not always kind of adhering by like a 10% increase in, in lap time or decrease in lap time, I should say. Um, and, and, you can really attribute that to certain things that have been happening with their riders. Like that's the X factor of racing where like someone got injured or the bike didn't had a mechanical yeah. and things like that. So 
Um, I wish it would it would come back. I really enjoyed it when it was like a Sizz Mugen rivalry and it was who was going to win and who was going to one up the other. And you know, Michael, you know, <laughs> bless Michael's soul. Because he would always have some crazy little thing like up his sleeve, like, okay, on race day, I actually have an extra battery pack that I'm going to stick in the bike and no one knows about it. <laughs> you know, like, I just love that about him. He, we just passed his birthday. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a little memorial to Michael there. Uh, I can't remember exactly what date it was, but it was within the past day or two. It was weird to see his his son posting up about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. And he posted up a picture of uh, Michael's Desma Sidichi. And I remember the day he got that bike. It was bike number 44, you know, stamped on the on the triple clamp. And he got it on his 44th birthday. It was, this, it was just one of those weird happenstance things because you couldn't pick your number. It just happened to get there. And I don't think I think he was hedging on not buying it. He was like, oh, I might not buy this bike when he got in and it was 44. He had to buy it. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, oh, my God, I can't not own this bike. Yeah, pa- yeah. passed away May 7th. We definitely missed him here in, in Portland. I, yeah. I know I saw a lot of tributes and stuff on, on the old book face. Yeah. So. Book face. All right, so uh, next, what do you got? What I got? What should I got, fool? Uh, last thing I got to talk about is MotoGP because it is crazy times in MotoGP. Crazy times as far as, like, I haven't been watching because I really hate watching boring Mark Marquez winning shit. So I'm like, "Ah, whatever. So was there crazy shit going on that might help make him not the, the right. Are there people moving and shaking? You're probably not going to like this news. Oh no. What if I told you Quinn, that there is a possibility (laughs) that you may not see Danny Pedrosa and or Jorge Lorenzo racing MotoGP next season. Uh huh. Not bad. I I don't. I'm okay with that. Like, let's get some new blood in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Such a hater. Oh, dude. Well, neither of them are doing shit. So, right? They're not gonna. They obviously can't. So we've got to bring in somebody that's gonna bring the heat. And it might have to be somebody new. It might have to be fucking Morbidelli getting on a fast on on a factory bike. Morbidelli's been horrible. I know, this but I'm just saying Talk it might have to be something letdown. like that, right? Where somebody comes good, right? Somebody's gonna come good and be better because you know what? Danny Petrosa hasn't fucking done it, and Jorge Lorenzo maybe. I mean, yeah, get him back on a f- satellite Yamaha. I don't. know. What What do you think? Where do you think Jorge would have to be to get back to his multi-time <sighs> world championship? Oh, he definitely level? needs to be on a, a Yamaha. Uh, or at least, um, what a fragile, fragile, horrible racer. I hate that so much that you got to be <laughs> on this perfect thing, right? Well, understand that, uh, motorcycle, especially those motor GP bikes are developed into such specific tools. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things and like, Jorge is definitely a specific tool. <laughs> I'm just not even gonna fade into the hate. I'm just not even gonna. I'm just not even gonna stoop down to your level. You need to rise above a Quentin. That's some. That's some race to the bottom shit right there. And I expected better from you. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I expect. I didn't I, expect better from you, but I should. <laughs> I expect better from Jorge Lorenzo. <laughs> I wanted to see a win. I actually did. You know, he's a Duc- on a Ducati. I like Ducatis. I'm a big fan. So if yeah, he would have won, it was a bit of. A, I've never heard anyone ever say that about a us. Bit a bit yeah. of a crux for me because then when I, when you got this lame asshole riding a Ducati, I was like, oh man. But then part of me is like, you know what? Maybe. Maybe he'll come good and do well a few times. And I think he's done kind of. Has he won a race on one yet? Nope. Yeah. So, and just to see him just get completely off the off everywhere, it's like, oh, what awful thing. He's, he's struggling. But it's one of those things when you when your toolbox really needs a hammer and they keep handing you a scalpel or vice versa. Yeah, sure. You know, what do you really expect? And and Rossi didn't get much better, right? No, Rossi. But also understand that the GP18, the GP 
you know, nineteen yeah. are significantly. Yeah, better it wasn't bikes like Rossi than... was teammate with a with person who was winning races and leading right. championships. Well, I think that's the right? issue. So, so obviously that's creating some some contention in the <laughs> uh, Ducati box because both riders are up for contract, and Andrea Vizioso is like, uh, "Hey guys, you remember how I almost won the championship last year? Do you remember how I'm the development rider and I almost won the championship last year? Open up your wallet." You're going to be paying. I thought he was me. locked in, so he's not locked in. Well, he is now. Okay. They, as of like last week. As right? of since last show. Okay. This has happened. All right. So he's locked in two more years, and I think he finally got the paycheck he was looking for. Good. As he should. But on the same time, Jorge Lorenzo is like, I'm a three time MotoGP champion. No, you were. I'm a big swing in. You were. Spanish yeah, meatball. No. Uh, I expect a certain amount of uh, zeros on my paycheck. And Akati's like, uh, you're a zero. You've done literally nothing. Like zero. Our There's satellite, lots of zeros. Our satellite riders, none of are them are going to be your your up and down the street. And they've got an option on Petrucci. They've got a factory yeah. thing with Jack Miller. Um, and either one of those, I would say, hey, give them a freaking would chance. Wouldn't be right? bad choices. And, yeah. and I think that's Ducati's armor. It's like the satellite guys are kicking your butt. Why would we hire you for? I don't know, I'm throwing out a number like eight million euros. We can give Jack a two million euro contract, and he'd be stoked, super stoked, and motivated, and yeah, can ride around some shit. He's gonna so crash. He's it's gonna causing crash some, some craziness. So there's been a lot up until recently. There's been a lot of conjecture that Jorge was on the out, or he going was, to Suzuki. A lot of them. He was going to go to Suzuki. So what? Who's who's in play at Suzuki? So now? reliable Spanish media sources are saying Suzuki has signed Juan Mir. Oh wow, uh, Juan uh, over Jorge. That's pretty gnarly. I say Juan. I think it's Juan. Juan Mir. I'm not good one, with my, two, I'm not three, good with my Spanish pronunciation. Yeah, neither am I. So that's the seat because they already they they tied up Alex Rins. And uh, you know what? A lot of people Andrea might Iannone not. Andrea Iannone seems out for sure. Who? Andrea Iannone. No, so where is out. he going to go? Do we know? Well, that's the other thing. So there's some talk that he might go to Aprilia. Hmm. Um, but oh man, so this is full se- silly this season. Is, it's full. Uh, like, I haven't been paying like enough the chairs attention. Chairs for the musical chair game are being taken away quickly, and there's so many riders that are just like, like spinning. "Oh my gosh!" All right, so I know the one that I was. I'm definitely kind of. I'm worried about because I really like Zarco, right? And I'm. I know that him going to uh, to KTM is good for KTM, but I'm worrying that it will be not as good for him. You know, because I he is a he is a world champion level fucking rider. That guy is he's yeah he can take it to Marquez, and I want to see him take it to Marquez, right? Whoever can be anybody but Marquez, I want to see people beat Marquez, <laughs> right? I yeah. want Marquez in there. I don't, dis- I, I, I don't disagree with you because it, it is really boring to see the same people win over. And we just had the um, it's funny because it wasn't the, the boring when in- when Rossi was doing it. I was like, oh, this is awesome because you're such a fanboy. <laughs> That's because. Because uh, <laughs> you bleed yellow. Uh, anyway, uh, go ahead. Sure. Sorry. I'm sorry I distracted you with Rossi. Yeah. You're, you get your head all spun out. I'm literally so shaking awesome. my head. I'm just like, ugh, fanboy. <laughs> ugh, gross. Uh, no, but it, I do agree that it, it sucks when you see the same person winning over and over. And you and you go and you watch like the French round at Le Mans. And I was bored. I was like, oh, uh, Zarco and Davi crashed. Marquez is like a eight lap lead time to watch moto I two go, i think i'm just gonna throw some paint on the wall because it'd be yeah. more interesting no, to watch I, that I just, dry. i've stopped i'll watch moto two or i you know I mean, yeah that's good racing going moto on three moto three is great, yeah is juan juan 
Juan. Juan to talk about him? Juan. Do you want to try to figure out how to pronounce his name? <laughs> is he from Moto 3 or Moto 2? I can't remember. No, he's a Moto 2 rider. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've been, and he was definitely but, in Moto I mean, 3. He's, he's seventh in the championship right now. But so, he won Moto 3. He won the Moto 3 championship very, last year. Very clearly. He was on a KTM, right? Yeah. Um, uh, no, he was on the Honda last year. He's on the Calyx bike this year. Okay. The Calyx Cup, as it were. Uh, is it kind of at this stage? Well, why do you think that Suzuki decided to go with him? He, he's been one of those. I mean, we get into like this big conversation about kind of like the divining rod that talent spotters use to find their riders and yeah. understand that there is such a Spanish bias. I was about to say the divining rod. You mean the Spanish mafia? Well, it's not like so much the mafia, but there's so much of it is Spanish and they and they do have a certain nationalism to it. Uh huh. Where I think I've that's noticed. those like I think they take a Spanish writer more seriously no shit. than they do like someone else. So there is this like there is this kind of movement inside the paddock that Joan is this prodigy guy that we need to get through the ranks real quick. Like the better we the sooner we can get him on a MotoGP bike, the quicker he can learn the ins and outs of the MotoGP championship, the sooner he can start winning races. And and people treated Franco Morbidelli the same way. People treated Jack, Jack Miller, Miller the same way. And um, I think that was bad. I think it was bad to not. I mean, Morbidelli at least was in Moto Two hauling ass. Jack never got a chance, and he, I don't know if he really needed to because he's obviously a haul asser. But I think he would have developed a little better racecraft if he would have spent time in, in Moto Two because right. he just got plucked straight from Moto Three, then went to right, right. And right. I thought I was like, well, that's amazing, that's awesome, and you want to root for him because he's jackass and he's awesome. But part of me is like, oh, no, you got to cut your teeth a little bit. There's a lot to be said for developing racecraft in a, in, a, in that middle class. There's a difference there, right? Well, I think I think part of the issue too is I think there is a thought process in the paddock that the Moto2 championship doesn't really provide yeah. a stepping stone. A where it's one of those that, things sure. where it's like you go into Moto2 and you can kind of get sucked into it's not developing riders on electronics. It's not developing the crew needing to work the way they need to be. It's really competitive, but everyone's on basically spec bikes because it's, it's the Calyx cup and we're not really developing. It's, it's not enough of a stepping stone that we're developing talent to the next level. I'd love to hear that. We should just skip it entirely and go Moto three to GP and just be like, stick them in a satellite team, give them no expectations. And just, you know, do a couple seasons of, of learning there. Yeah, it seems like lost. That's lost time because you could be, de- like I said, it's not the machine necessarily. It's the race craft that you have to develop. Right. right. But the only people you really see doing that are the ones that have a channel all the way through Moto3 to MotoGP, yeah. where everyone else seems to be kind of doing the skipping stone. You know, that's 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 the argument why Ducati needs to have a Moto2 bike because they don't really Moto3. have a both really right yeah but if you're gonna choose one you're right you choose moto three but that's kind of like what they did with jack where it's like okay this guy's a talent get him let's 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 just put him in pramac it'll be fine you know and he was well i I guess it was honda that brought him up wasn't it uh yeah yeah but it it was it was okay for him and he did you learn the tracks on a big power bike you learn the electronics you start you know you're teething i get it but you know it seems seems strange especially relative to what we knew when we were growing up which was 252 strokes which were an arms race of talent and and fascinating amounts of skill that it required but it, it made a lot of sense you went from 125 yep. to a 250 to a yeah. 500 and it was real it made sure. a lot of sense but even 125 250 to moto gp 990 made sense as well and that's where you got 
That's where you got Jorge Lorenzo and Valentino Rossi and Danny Pedroza. And, you know, and then you see where Nicky Hayden had to leave a lot on the table um, because he didn't have that 252 stroke experience. He had super bike experience and he brought a different skill set to it. You saw Ben Spees get there, crash his brains out in the 800 class because they don't think he had enough of the 250 experience. He had plenty of superbike experience. Yeah, that's armchair quarterbacking. I get it. But that's what I see when I see superbikers go in and kind of, you know, fumble along instead of getting that momentum two-stroke experience, which is hard to, it's hard to replicate. All right. There's no way to do it. And I don't think the 600s are doing a good job of it now. Better than not, but not the same as a 252 stroke. It's just not. So I think that's a big gaping hole in MotoGP at this stage that they don't have that. Yeah. I think two strokes, the same goes for motocross. Motocross and supercross is ridiculous. 450s are way, way too powerful. Stupid. People are getting hurt left, right, and center now from these stupid overpowered 450s, and they don't have to have racecraft. You can crash a 450 at the base of a freaking triple jump, get on it, kick it, and make the triple from the bottom of the fucking ramp without any momentum coming off the uh, out of the corner. Just because they're so powerful and so gnarly, they're dangerous. So it's another, it's a similar type of thing where you got two strokes have a very specific way about them that you can't, you can't just teach. And it would be, you have to, you have to ride them and ride the shit out of them to get good at them. So I think that's a big gaping hole in how people have come up through the ranks. And we're seeing what's happening now it's like, well, where is the way? And we don't know. Nobody knows for sure where, where the way is. Is it Superbike? Is Johnny Ray going to come up through Superbike? Well, there's a lot of talk. I think it is just talk, but there's a lot of talk that Johnny Ray might get a MotoGP contract. I don't With think, who, though? I don't think that'll happen. Um, uh, Steve, <laughs> do you have a spreadsheet out? Steve just yeah, wrote a story about it, and I yeah, I do need a spreadsheet because it, it's that crazy. It you is, know? sure. That's the, the, the nonsense. That's why we call it silly season. Um. Because you add in a couple of dark horses like that, then it's like all bets are off. Who's on? All right, let's start at the start. V- Valentino Rossi's locked in. Is yes. Maverick Vinales locked in? Yes. So both of them on the factory Yamahas locked. Yes. Okay. I had to think. I had to think about that. You understood. Sure. Yeah. So Maverick, even though he's not performing very well, they've said, uh, "Well, he's okay. We'll, yeah, we'll keep him." Uh, satellite Yamahas. So we're, who's taking Zarco's spot? Well, that's the thing. We don't know who's going to be on the Tactwa teams. Um, teams plural te- team okay but that's they're not satellite Yamahas they're going to be satellite KTMs ah I forgot about that so we that. don't know who's going to be the satellite Yamaha yet it might be Mark VDS ah. there's a lot of craziness going on in Mark VDS's garage between sure. the team owner and the team manager really there's a, like a lot of some drama for your mom. there's some drama llama going on I don't even want to like get into that yeah, I that do craziness. what's going on Um, just basically like, accusing people of like Fraud and oh, misallocation no. of funds. Where's Mark VDS? Is that Netherlands? Netherlands? Belgian. Belgian. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's crazy. And so you have like so coming back to to the start of the story, Danny Pedrosa. This he there's a very good chance that the pooch might give him the boot, or that Danny might just retire altogether. Yeah. And which makes sense. And then that like so there's very there's a very a very real possibility that there could be a factory seat. In Honda, that's available. Does Jorge Lorenzo get that nod? Probably not, because I don't think Mark Marquez wants. Why not? Wants a Lorenzo in there? Why not? Because he's Mark they, Marquez. They colluded to fucking get Rossi out a couple oh years ago. Gosh. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> that'd be the perfect little Spanish oh Armada gosh. together. Oh, they would be so good together. No, they wouldn't. That's the thing. They their egos <laughs> would clash so hard, and there'd be such a struggle. no. It'd be good for us, is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
<laughs> you gotta love it, right? It's like reality TV, built-in drama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm stoked. If 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 Lorenzo Lorenzo gets a job at Honda, oh man, I I'd be fine with that because I know you know what. There's a chance that he could fucking take it to Marquez. I have to say, There's I don't a, think so. I don't think that bike suits him at all. It doesn't. All. But you know what? I'll give him another chance, one more chance. Right? I have enough respect for that guy and his ability to think that maybe, even as much shit as I talk and as awful as he is in some so many ways, I just like to. I'd like to see it. Anything, anything but Marquez at this stage. Whatever, mix it up. Right? Even even if it gets in his head that he's got a teammate that's a three time world champion. How many times has Mark Marquez been a trip? Four or five? I don't know. You just might have to spend a lot on body work because there's gonna be some crashing and some gnarly shit going down maybe i think it'd be good who else would you who would you pick to be the honda say danny pedroza whoever's pulling the puppet strings for danny takes his little puppet and just puppets away where where who fills that seat who would you want to see in that i would want to see zarko because then it could take it i think zarko should have gotten in there but 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 he's not i think on some level marquez Either explicitly or implicitly, was just like mm, no, nah, yeah, and he's going to dictate guy. it. Well, then who would he put in? I think I think that's where you find like a young a young rider, Jack Jack Miller. Could he get back into that? No, he's doing too good in no, Ducati no, land. Jack Jack for one hundred percent is going to be on a Ducati, and he'll be on a factory backed GP nineteen. Whether it's in the factory team yeah, or in the Primac team, team he's remains there. to be same. And the same with Daniello Petrucci. Yep. He'll either be in a factory team yep. or probably at sure. Primac. Well. I'm trying to understand. There's so I really do need a spreadsheet. David Emmett does a much better job. <laughs> I think he actually does have a spreadsheet. I'm sure he does. Um, and the the Paddock Pass guys will be talking uh, this weekend after Magello. So, All right, so there's, you guys there's a little, there's the little bit of an update there. But and that but that's the other thing. Like after Magello, we we could see a whole new round of uh-huh. of rumors come out. It's it's Wednesday today, so we're a day too early to hear the Thursday rumors of. The paddock getting together and people talking and oh by the way That's i just okay. came out of a meeting with with honda and uh they're gonna have a, a, a v5 again yeah sure right okay well hopefully by the next podcast we'll have even more a little bit of information we should devote a little bit during the silly season because it is amusing and i do love talking i'll shit. erase two-thirds of my drywall my dry marker wall so i can start keeping track of things okay sounds good but it's 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 interesting times in the MotoGP season. The 2019 championship is going to see, I think, some interesting riders on some interesting teams. If you're doing the interesting drinking game, you are drunk now. All right. Well, other than that, you got anything yeah. else? No, because Any... we're talking about bikes with no kickstands, so I think we got to stop. Oh wow! Look at you. You brought it all the way back. I did, but I think that's time, right? It is. It's the the timer on the toaster is done. It's time to spread the avocado <laughs> on it and uh, smooth and creamy. Get it smooth and creamy. Kick stands up. Good talk to you out there, sir. Later. Awesome. Right. Okay. Muy muy bueno. I didn't even look at our levels. How are our levels looking? Our levels okay. Your I think levels, our levels are pretty good. My levels. Right. I don't know about my levels. Yeah, adjust your levels. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's get this all. If you there. could buy that thing over again, would you? Is it the same, that is a good? Yeah, yeah.